Welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm Lauren Deirda, an editor at Becker's Healthcare. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Wesley Chick, Vice President of Payer Strategies at Covenant Physician Partners in Nashville, Tennessee. Wesley, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Before we jump into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, again, my name is Wesley Chick. I'm Vice President of Payer Strategies here at Covenant. Um, I've actually been in the healthcare industry for about 27 plus years, um, mostly we're working with large provider organizations like HCA. Uh, I was with USPI from the very beginning, uh, and then also with Tenant. But I've also been on the payer side, working with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, as well as Illinois for about six years, being able to understand a little bit more about um, how the payers work and, and what makes them tick. That's fantastic. And, you know, I, I'm sure is a very interesting uh, perspective that you have based on your previous experiences. I'm wondering, you know, what are your top priorities for today? Well, I mean, as a provider, my first and foremost is to build value through rate enhancements, right, with the providers. Most everything is still on a fee-for-service basis. Um, and so, um, you know, my goal is to ensure that, you know, we're ba- being able to keep the lights on and pay the bills. Um, but also what I like to do and, and what one of my primary uh, objectives is to promote the strengths that we have in the GI and ophthalmology space uh, where we work today. Um, and we basically have the full continuum of care model where we employ the physician and then we invest in all the ancillaries that support those roles. Uh, mostly from an outpatient basis. But what it does is it gives the patients a much greater access to preventive care, um, which um, prevents a lot of long-term hospitalization and illnesses and even uh, uh, extreme diagnoses like colon cancer. Um, And so what we try to do is really promote the fact that based on the fact of being able to manage that continuum of care, we're able to actually provide low-cost, high-quality care um, that has been, you know, proven by many of our payers across the country to be the most efficient. Um, and then finally, we also, I like to build brand loyalty with our payer community. I think that we're out there with, um, you know, a million other providers that are trying to eke out a piece of the pie. And I think that the more that we can promote our total cost of care initiatives um, and providing that access to their members um, and delivering that high quality care, I feel that we're kind of positioning ourselves to be uh, at the forefront of their value-based care initiatives. Um, I think that as we look at kind of our customer base, um, we look at it from a threefold perspective. We've got our patients, um, which are the payers members, Um, We have our providers who we employ, but then we also privilege at our surgery centers. And then we have our payers who we seek payment from for the services we provide. Um, Our CEO now, who just joined us in January, actually his stated goal is to delight each of our customers in their experience with our organization. And when you really think about that word delight, it's, it's kind of like we want that experience not just to have the access, but to have a good experience. And I think back to recently, my mother had um, had fallen and broken her hip. And so I dealt with the whole process of access to care from the ambulance through emergency surgery to multiple 
weeks of recovery and then to uh, home-based recovery. And I think about the experience that we had as compared to other experiences that I've had in the healthcare system in the past. And the one that we went through and that actually chose to go through, um, every single person along the way had actually that same kind of mentality of delighting the customer from the people in the ER all the way to the last caretaker at the end of the process. So that's kind of the experience we want our patients to have as well, and that for our payers to understand that we're delivering in the market. That's a great point. And it's so interesting to think about it, as you mentioned, from the patient side of things. And, you know, thank you for sharing that story about your mother and and how her process went and how that applies to what you do. And I'm wondering, can you give us a sense of the size of Covenant and, you know, the the ground that you cover? And so um, when you're working with payers, really what leverage that you have? Oh, sure. Um, So, you know, we're not a really large company yet, per se. Um, but we have, we are located in 20 states across the United States from Hawaii to Maine down to Florida. Um, and we have spots where we have very large practices, whether it be in GI or ophthalmology. Um, and so obviously in those markets, what we'd really like to be able to do is obviously build our presence, not just from a leverage or pricing standpoint, but from a leverage of value perspective. Um, and so what we want to be able to do is to go in and get in the um, get in the game of population management and be able to uh, really provide that high value care on a broader population base because we feel like we can manage it better than anyone else. Interesting. That's a great point and really leads into my next question. I, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how your payer strategy has changed over the past year, especially since the pandemic hit. Are there things that are more urgent now or are there anything new topics that you've been discussing with payers? What really you know, is uh, changing about the way you're working with payers and approaching them? Well, it has been kind of a crazy year, hasn't it? Um, man, with the uh, pandemic, I mean, it's affected everybody's lives, right? And you know, we've had to close facilities, you know, our access to care has been an issue where we've had to furlough, um, you know, a lot of frontline healthcare workers. Um, and so, you know, maintaining, well, while still really trying to maintain that high quality um, uh, care and, and outcomes um, for the ones that, for the, for the patients that truly need it. Um, and so one of the areas and one of the strategies that we launched into immediately when the pandemic hit last March, pretty much, and everybody went into hiding, was um, a telemedicine strategy. And I know pretty much most of the providers across the country have had to adopt that strategy pretty quickly. But I think we really did a good job of making sure that our providers had the ability to access their members, uh, particularly the chronic, uh, the chronically ill members, the ones that had to have regular visits, particularly on the GI side. Um, and could not get to our offices. And so it gave those members uh, great access to our physicians, as well as being able to feel comfortable and safe uh, from their own homes. And so that was a really big game changer, you know, for us. And we've actually continued that uh, telemedicine strategy, even uh, as we move into a post-pandemic environment in many areas, um, we're still we're still using that um, because it's a great service to particularly, like I said, our chronic members um, who don't feel comfortable in coming in on a regular basis. And then also pretty much just from a payer focus, just staying relevant with the payers. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of issues that people don't realize that, you know, the payers have had to adjust their uh, strategies as well. And being able to understand what's going on on their side of the, of the equation is important. Um, for instance, there's a huge shift, as you can imagine, from commercial lives moving into the Medicaid population. Um, they estimate anywhere from 10 to 15 percent uh, because of uh, the high unemployment rate. A lot of people have had to turn to Medicaid uh, to uh, be able to have health insurance. And so you're seeing the payers, you know, uh, lose a lot of that business or see a lot of that shift. They've also had challenges with medical loss ratio, you know, and being able to meet the requirements of medical loss ratio. But yet at the same time, not being able to predict what the surges were going to be in utilization post pandemic. So those are kind of the things that I keep in my mind as I'm talking to them and being able to call them on a regular basis, staying, staying, staying relevant with them as we try to, um, you know, maneuver through the waters that they're in today while hoping that they will look to us for um, uh, building those uh, strategies, those post-pandemic um, cost-saving initiatives um, after the fact. Well, that's a great point. And I'm wondering, how do you anticipate your strategy will continue to evolve in response to what the payers are doing? And especially, I know earlier in our conversation, you mentioned um, wanting to more approach the population health uh, type model of care. And I'm just really interested to hear more about that and, and you know, really what's going to be um, at the center of, of where your pay, payer strategy is headed. Yeah, I think that what's what's happening is I think that payers are recognizing uh, the fact that we are a lower cost setting. And so they're adopting a lot of initiatives uh, and a lot of changes in their prior authorization uh, requirements, for instance, uh, particularly for um, regular, you know, standard outpatient procedures um, and being able to shift that business over to the lower cost setting. I think that they recognize the fact that, you know, we provide the most efficient care. And so you're seeing a lot of that shift over towards us. It also sets us up for value-based care arrangements, uh, reducing, you know, some of the unnecessary visits. Um, we're able to um, actually promote more direct-to-consumer initiatives where you're basically cutting out some of the visits um, within, the, the, um, within that healthcare delivery um, trend and promoting things like a colonoscopies for the 45 and over population. Um, as we are evolving and seeing a higher case or a higher um, uh, instance of cancer diagnosis in the 45 and over population, we're able to be very quick to the public and be able to advertise and be able to focus on attracting members to get their colonoscopy screenings done at an earlier stage. So the payers are actually promoting some of that and they're actually standing behind us with some of their initiatives and we're seeing a lot more evidence of them being able to support us in this. That's great to hear and, and really, uh, you know, fascinating to think about as we move forward. Now, I wanted to ask you one more question. What are you most excited about today in healthcare and what makes you nervous? <laughs> well, I'm most excited about actually being looked at as a solution now instead of the problem, because I feel like that's the one thing that I say to payers more than anything is that is really promoting how we are a solution to the problem. 
Um, and so I think that being able to watch payers on a national basis, uh, get engaged in more uh, cost saving initiatives, shared savings initiatives with us, um, and actually moving patients towards the, the, the solution of getting the right care at the right place at the right time. Um, I think we are well poised to build strategic alliances in the markets that we're currently invested in, um, as well as those in the future. Um, I'm not really nervous about a lot of things. Um, if anything, I see only opportunities in the horizon, particularly as I'm on this side of the provider equation, um, where I'm promoting uh, preventive care, um, you know, movement a, a, away from longer-term um, hospital um, utilization and, um, and chronic condition uh, diagnoses. Um, and so to me, I really kind of look at it as all opportunity. I mean, look at how, look at how much the system has evolved already in such a short amount of time. And I'm excited at 52 years old now to be able to uh, look at this point in my career as being a real opportunity between now and the end of my career of that movement uh, towards that efficient care. That's great to hear. And on your side of things as well, is there anything that keeps you up at night or, or really makes you nervous? <laughs> you, you're going to, you're going to be down and you're bound and determined to get me to say something that I'm nervous about. Um, I'm really not, I, you know what, I'll be honest with you. I feel that, um, I feel that there is seriously nothing but opportunity in the market right now. I think that as much pressure as there is on healthcare spending, uh, with the gross domestic product and it being such a high percentage, I feel that everybody has a role to play in the solution. And I think that we have our worlds ahead of uh, and apart from other competitors and, and other people in the healthcare industry in terms of already resolving some of those, those issues. And so I'm very excited about kind of where we are, the role that we play in that um, and sort of what direction we're heading and in 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 this um, in this game of trying to lower the total cost of care. I'm glad there's so much upside from your side of things, and you know, really, I'm looking forward to seeing how um, care patterns develop and how you know Covenant uh, evolves going forward. Wesley, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a pleasure, and I look thank forward you. to connecting with you again soon. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely.